Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Today, my guest on the Give First podcast is someone who has been involved in a significant way with three of the first dozen or so Techstars unicorns. There's maybe uh, some magic in that, huh, Carly? <laughs> I hope so. Carly Brantz, thanks for joining us. Uh, you've been involved with a lot of amazing companies in your career and helped driven their marketing overall. So really excited to talk to you. And I know that you have some relatively recent news. Uh, DigitalOcean, where you are now, just has gone public. So congrats on that. That's pretty exciting. Thanks so much. Yes, it was the first time I've traveled in over a year to New York City. So it was exciting to be at the New York Stock Exchange. And not your first experience with a company you've been at going public. You had that experience at SendGrid. As we like to say at Techstars, the first ever accelerator company from any accelerator to go public. Yeah, I was on the board there. We got to know each other that way. And of course, spent some time at Twilio and Return Path and others. You've been at some amazing companies. How did you manage to get into those roles? It's very serendipitous, I would say. You know, I spent a number of years at Return Path and various marketing functions over the years, learning different areas of marketing. And in 2011, I was looking for a new opportunity and was thinking, you know, who would care that I spent the last seven years or so at Return Path? And I thought, you know, the Foundry Group companies would probably understand that. So I looked at the Foundry Group job board I applied for a number of jobs, and the first one I got an offer from was SendGrid. So I started there, I think I was employee 30, really went through a number of different changes, and it felt in many ways like a different company (laughs) just about every year that I was there, and I was there for nearly a decade. So yeah, I remember actually walking up to the New York Stock Exchange the night before the IPO and seeing you. And seeing the big banner of SendGrid in front of the New York Stock Exchange, and I burst into tears, and you were there to see it. So <laughs> I remember. So surreal, right? Yes. I mean, a lot of people burst into tears when they see me, Carly. It's not that unusual. <laughs> it wasn't you. It wasn't you. <laughs> oh, you mean like emotionally for the IP? I understand. <laughs> I was very emotional that night, too. I remember having that dinner in that historic place across the street. Yeah. Just sort of seeing, you know, Tim and, and Isaac and Jose and. Samir and everybody that had spent so much energy for so long, having that result, that's just the coolest thing for me, right? Just because we're a tiny part of it as an investor, right? The company does all the hard work, obviously. And to see all those people sort of so happy and so celebratory and, and knowing that this is an important institution that's changed the world, I mean, that, that's what's so fun about being around those IPOs. It's incredible. So you're the CMO at DigitalOcean. That's a big title. I am. <laughs> 
and you've sort of come up through product marketing, revenue marketing, if I understand correctly. And I'm curious across these companies, you know, SendGrid and Twilio, very much early infrastructure companies, kind of API driven technical companies, right? I mean, SendGrid's original name, of course, was SMTP API. Yes, it's a mouthful. So before you got there, we even knew to change that. <laughs> Terrible name. But, you know, looking at DigitalOcean, obviously big infrastructure play as well. What have you learned about what you have to do to market these sorts of companies? Yeah, I think for both, well, really for SendGrid, Twilio, and DigitalOcean, the target market is really these developers at small startups and SMBs. And they're looking for a way that they can sort of navigate through your customer experience through the funnel, whether they're first looking for a solution to they get to their website and they're able to sign up, get onboarded successfully. And their goal is also not to have to talk to anyone. And I think I've sort of built my career on making that process very seamless so that they don't have to interact with a single person and we can focus on driving revenue, whether that's through net new customer acquisition or expansion of our customer base without the need for a lot of handholding, which I think is what developers are really looking for. So I always thought of sort of self-serve marketing as more a tactic to just keep the funnel moving, keep things efficient. But really, it sounds like also in this particular target audience, a lot of them just don't want to talk to somebody. They don't want to get on the phone. I'm that way too. And I, I think it's maybe one of the things that engineer or technical types, you know, they just want to be efficient and talk to fewer people and stare at the code more. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's more about almost like psychology and marketing of anticipating their needs before they even really have them. So making sure to provide information to get started or information to get signed up or information to sort of troubleshoot before they even run into the trouble and just sort of meet their needs without all the complexity of having training or implementation with actual human beings. But they also balance that. When I think back to Twilio, you know, and Jeff, when it first invested, I think it was 2009, they were viewed as really a pioneer of, of sort of evangelizing, right? going out and, and actually being in the community with these engineers and participating in it. So is it sort of a one-two punch that you need? Yeah, I definitely feel like you connect with the community of developers as well. And I think DigitalOcean, long before I arrived, has done a great job of providing tutorials and quality content and interacting with that developer community, providing value to them without necessarily asking for anything in return. I think Twilio and SendGrid also did a great job with that of connecting to those developers and doing exciting events and hackathons. And then when they have the need for infrastructure, when they have the need for SMS or email, they just automatically, because of their positive experiences they've had at events and different functions, naturally think of the company that we were at those events. Yeah, I want to go slow here because I think we talked with Raj Bhagarva over at JumpCloud, very similar approach. He talked about this as being almost a different way to think about Give First. Be in the community as a company that's interacting with a large audience of whether it's engineers or anybody else, and just trying to provide value to that community. And I think DigitalOcean, SendGrid, Twilio, JumpCloud, they all do this really, really well and really authentically. It's not, hey, I want to give you something and you know you have to buy something in order to get that. There's a real passion about helping them be successful. And as you said, when you give first in that way, they automatically think of you when they have a need in that space, which might be a year or two years from now. So it sounds like that was a big part of the strategy. Exactly. 
I am curious myself to at DigitalOcean if that was intentional or if they just generally wanted to provide value to the developers through all of their really high quality tutorials, but it has really benefited. We get a tremendous amount of traffic to our website every month for people who are just searching for different ways, learning to do things, learning different ways to code and how to do things within. It might not even be on our infrastructure, but we provide that content. And then, like I said, they just think naturally of DigitalOcean. I think at SendGrid, we were much more intentional about it, of creating content guides in order to set up your email infrastructure, sort of showing you the ins and outs. And it was complicated. And then at the very end saying, or you could let SendGrid take care of all of that for you. So I know it was more intentional at SendGrid, but I do think that the power of content in general really only works if you're providing value to prospects and developers. It's an amazing lesson for really anyone that has you know, a big audience. Maybe it doesn't apply to every single enterprise company or anything like that, where there's a, a large community, a large audience around it. Gosh, I've seen this work so many times. And I remember, you're right, that Isaac at SendGrid, right? It was, it was very much like, anyone can call us with any email problem and we'll just help them. And I remember people looking at them like, you're crazy. <laughs> like you can't, that doesn't scale. And maybe it didn't eventually. They figured out other ways to scale it through content, as you're talking about. But when Moisey and Ben and, and Mitch and everybody in the accelerator said love, they talked about love being the differentiator. We love our customers. We want them to love our product. Again, they got this funny look from a lot of mentors and a lot of people like, hey, that's not really a way you can build the company. When you entered DigitalOcean, how was this sort of notion of love part of the culture there? Yeah, it's very inherent into really everything that we do. We always say that it starts with community and ends with love. And really, when you talk to our customers, I mean, it seems a little silly or maybe cheesy that they cite love. They can feel that through the community resources or through their interactions with anyone within the company. They feel that people really care about the community and what they're doing in order to make them successful. So it is still very much at our core, that love piece. I love it. Well, speaking of the community, I know that you launched something called Hub for Good a little while back. I'd love to hear more about what the approach was there, why you did it, and how that's evolved. Early, really around this time last year, we created the Hub for Good program. It was designed to support COVID-19 relief efforts. So we were offering infrastructure credits, donations to different organizations that were doing good to help in various ways through COVID. When the summer came and we had a lot of racial injustice and social injustice issues, sort of expanded the program to any organization or startup that was actively fighting to improve health and education or reduce inequality and help spur economic growth. And so we've had thousands of customers come on to use our infrastructure for free through that program. And the program was really started by one of our longtime employees, Holly Hagens. And she has recently, very sadly, passed away in the last month or so. And so continuing her legacy and all of the work she did to give back to the community, we've renamed our Hub for Good Holly's Hub for Good, which is pretty incredible. And then as part of our IPO, we've joined the Pledge 1% program. And so that over the next 10 years will really fuel all of the incredible work that we have planned to expand Holly's Hub for Good in the future. What an honor. 
And I know that's a pretty fresh loss. So to everybody listening that, that knew Holly, sorry to hear of that. And but it's what a great legacy. And I know so much energy going into doing good in the world and, and all of that. So great to see that. You mentioned Pledge One Percent. We're pretty involved with that as well at Techstars. Talk about your work there because it's it's more than just you know being a part of it with a company. It's you're, you're actually pretty directly involved. Why have you chosen to do that? Interestingly enough, my husband served for many years on the board of the Community Foundation. And in the early days of EFCO, which was Entrepreneurs Foundation of Colorado, which then morphed into Pledge 1%, I spoke to everyone. I really wanted to get SendGrid involved. At the time, I kind of thought that we were too late in the game to join Pledge 1%. And then it was a sort of interesting combination of events of Jeff Lawson, the CEO of Twilio, and Samir. Our CEO at SendGrid met and Jeff had shared that they participated in Pledge 1% just before their IPO, which got Samir thinking about it. And he had asked our leadership team if there was anyone who felt passionately about learning more, meeting with people, coming up with something to present to our board at the time. And I raised my hand to do that, which was a great experience. I got to speak to a lot of different companies like Salesforce and Atlassian and Slack and Okta, all about how they were running their Pledge 1% program. And then I did present to the board at SendGrid just before our IPO and we joined the pledge. We took the pledge, which was a great experience. And just through all of my work creating that presentation and pitch to the board, I just became much more interested in becoming more involved with Pledge 1%. And so a few years back, I joined the Pledge 1% Colorado board and I've been serving on there, which has been great. And then, like I said, uh, at DigitalOcean, it was a similar experience. Yancey had seen the power of the Pledge 1%, which you know helps to empower every entrepreneur and company to leverage all of their own assets to be a force for good, which is so powerful, not just for the community at large, but for employees to feel like they have a bigger purpose than their day-to-day job. So it's been really incredible. It's something I feel very passionately about. It's a great organization. And I know a lot of people have that reaction that maybe we're too mature of a company to pledge 1% of our equity or 1% of profits or whatever it is to nonprofits, which you get to designate. That's the amazing part about it. It's not that it's just going randomly into the wild. You, you get to direct that. And as you mentioned, employees love it because they feel like they're a part of giving back to the community in some way that's that's organized. Ideally, yeah, you get involved with that early. You know, Amy there has amazing playbooks for how to get involved in different ways that, that can suit any stage company. And I think optimally getting involved with that when you're just getting going sort of 1% of nothing, as we like to say, right? It's at that easy. Point. Yeah, it's easy to do. But it's built in, right? And that's right. the magic of it is that your whole approach to giving back and philanthropy is built into your company's DNA. Exactly. But if you didn't do it early, you can do it late too. There's lots of different ways. So thanks for working on that. It's a great cause, as you said. Yeah. So I want to switch, Carly, to rapid fire. We like to wrap up with this. Okay. Just quick answers. If you don't have one, you can say pass. It's cool. I'm just looking for a short answer for somebody listening that maybe is a marketer and really trying to understand how to be world-class and have the type of success you've had. Any books that you've read that you would recommend that they read? Yeah, early on, I read a wonderful book by Debbie Kakish. I hope I'm not messing up her name, but 
She writes The Rise of the Revenue Marketer, and it is a great book describing how to align your marketing efforts to really drive revenue rather than be a cost center. Awesome. I like to ask for you and all, all you've seen and all you've done, if you could have dinner with anybody in the world, dead or alive, although it, it generally is more fun to have dinner with someone alive, <laughs> who would that be? Who would you want at that dinner table? I'd love to have dinner with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I think that would be fascinating. So many things to ask her about. And this one might seem a little silly, but I'd also love to have dinner with John Elway. Awesome. Do you think the two of them would get along at the same table or do you need two different dinners? So I think it would need to be two separate dinners. A couple of great choices there. You've done some traveling as you've marketed these companies. Is there a place in the world you think everybody needs to get to while they're still alive on this planet? One place I went to for the first time with SendGrid was Japan. I had never been and it was one of those places that honestly wasn't on my list of places that I wanted to go, but it was just so incredible. The food and the culture and the people, it was, yes, I've been back since and I would highly recommend it. If anybody's like tracking the statistics, Tokyo in Japan comes up a lot and it's it's one that I would answer that question with. So totally agree with you. It's an amazing spot. Yeah. How about a startup maybe that you've run into uh, that you think is really cool, really going to change the world up and coming? Have you run into anything like that lately? Yeah, a couple of things. One is a tool called Icebreaker Video. It's a tool that we've been using internally for our marketing team over the last year as we've been trying to figure out how to connect with people in a virtual environment. And we get started with every marketing meeting with that one-on-one connection and a personal connection, it's the best that I could find in creating just sort of the office banter that we're missing out on over the past year and has been a great way to connect our team over the last 12 months. We use Icebreaker too. It's, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. Just get two people in the company together and get them talking. Yes. That's a good one. I think you said you had two, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but if there's more than one. Well, the other one is we have some friends actually locally here who have come up with a company called Jubilee. It's a consumer product that is creating a nut-free sesame spread. And it comes in these little packets with all the restrictions, especially if my kids are younger and are at school. We can send them with those Jubilee packets. They're delicious, they're easy, and they're nut-free. Awesome. Good plug. Yeah. See, we're plugging startups here. Yeah. First and get get them all attention. Carly, wow. uh, Awesome to talk to another, well, not another, a Boulder native. That's very rare. Someone who's literally. Both my husband and I. We're both from Boulder, born and raised, and now raising our children here. Amazing. And congrats on all the success you've had. Thanks for hanging out with us a little bit and sharing some of that wisdom. And I'm sure people maybe track down DigitalOcean or you personally if they want to learn more. So thanks for the time. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.